Well, friends, good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. And, um, well, it's, it's good to see all of you. <laughs> uh, personally, it feels good to be upright and taking deep breaths and all those sorts of things. And uh, it's been a while. You all are looking well, and it's good to see that there's, there's more of us who are able now uh, for reason of vaccination and case numbers to be gathering in person. Of course, we are also thinking of all of you who are joining us online as well. Um, it's good to be together, whether we are in the room or online. Um, friends, as we get started today, uh, we are continuing our journey uh, this season of Lent toward the cross. We're thinking about um, we're thinking about how of all the things that the Gospels tell us about Jesus, they spend the most time telling us about the final week of his life, because that is where the most significant stuff happens. It's also where the most difficult stuff happens, because there we see that it's, it's our hands that put him on that cross, um, that it's our voices that shout crucify, right? And we see also that he is doing all of that for us. And this is the wonder and the power of the gospel. And so, friends, we, uh, we take heart that we make this journey together. We are not journeying alone. And that today God has brought us into his house to remind us of his good news and to feed us for the journey, not just with words, but with bread and with wine. And so, friends, I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit as, as we get started this morning. Let's um, take a moment to invite God's presence here prepare ourselves. Lord God, we ask that you would continue to journey with us, holy God, as we continue our way to the cross. Sharpen our focus that our attention may center more on you than on ourselves. Lead us through the shadows of darkness and prepare our hearts that we might be a people of prayer, ready to perceive and respond to your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Friends, it's good to be together. Would you join me in this call to worship? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Friends, let's continue our worship in song.
human transformation for your presence now we pray lead us ever on the journey as we gather here today God is a God of transformation and throughout this season of Lent we've been talking about that and this morning I'd like us to um, listen to a story many of you know that I love to tell stories I love no I'm not a good storyteller I like to read stories and so today I would like to read to you from a story from the Children's Storybook Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible. And normally I would love to have the kids come up and be around and listen to the story, but we can't do that. So instead the pictures are going to be up on the screen and you can follow along that way. So this is called The Man Who Didn't Have Any Friends none. There was once a man who didn't have any friends. None. Do you have any friends? Well, of course you do, but not Zacchaeus. Poor Zacchaeus didn't have any. You're probably wondering why. Was it because he was so short? That's not a reason to like, not like someone. Was it because he had a name that was hard to say? Well, neither is that. Even though he was short and he did have a funny name, that wasn't it. No, people didn't like Zacchaeus because he stole their money. Zacchaeus collected taxes. Taxes were what people had to pay the king. But Zacchaeus took more than he was supposed to, and he kept the extra money for himself and made himself rich. Everyone knew what he was up to, and it made them cross and grumpy. They didn't like Zacchaeus one bit. So they made sure he knew it by doing things like avoiding him and walking on the opposite side of the street and pretending not to see him and whispering things like, there's that nobody who thinks he's a somebody loud enough so that he could hear. Anyway, one day, a huge crowd gathered by the road. Jesus was coming to their town, and everyone wanted to see him. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, too, but everyone was too tall. He tried jumping up and down, but that didn't work. He couldn't see a thing. Luckily, Zacchaeus had a good idea. I'll climb that sycamore tree, he said. So he did. From the tree... Zacchaeus had the perfect view all the way down the road. Another minute and suddenly Jesus was at the tree. He stopped and looked up. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I must come over to your house. Zacchaeus almost fell out of the tree. Come over to his house? No one ever wanted to come anywhere near his house, let alone inside it. The people saw this, and needless to say, it made them even crosser and grumpier than usual. They mumbled and murmured and muttered, Why is Jesus being kind to that big sinner? Doesn't Jesus know about him? 
Zacchaeus scrambled down and took Jesus to his house. He was in a big hurry because he didn't want Jesus to change his mind. Perhaps Jesus hadn't heard about him. Perhaps Jesus didn't know about how he had been stealing and how no one liked him and how he didn't have any friends. But Jesus knew. He knew all about Zacchaeus and the stealing and everything, and he still loved him. Zacchaeus was ashamed. Lord, he said, turning pale, what I've done is wrong. But now I want to do the right thing. I will give the money back to everyone four times what I stole. And that's just what he did. Jesus smiled. My friend, he said, today God has rescued you. Jesus loved Zacchaeus when nobody else did. He was Zacchaeus' friend even when no one else was because Jesus was showing people what God's love was like, his wonderful, never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. And just as God knew, Jesus knew all about Zacchaeus' sins, Zacchaeus still told Jesus what he had done. And that's confession. And so I invite you all now to take some time with me as we confess our sins to God in this prayer of confession. I invite you to join me now. God of compassion, in Jesus Christ, you did not look down on sinners, but welcomed them with love. Look upon us in mercy, we pray. God of compassion, you are slow to anger and full of mercy, welcoming sinners who return to you with hearts that are sorry and sad. Receive in your loving embrace all who come home to you. We have disobeyed your commands. Our ears have been deaf to your call. Our hearts have been cold to your love. In our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, we have hurt others and dishonored your name. Forgive us, O Lord. In your great mercy, receive us yet again as your well-beloved children, not because we are worthy, but for the sake of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Let's take some time now to lift our private confessions to God in a time of silent confession. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance that come from 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. There's that transformation again, right? Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And we say together, 
thanks be to God. Let's rise again in body or in spirit and sing our praise to our God who is so good.
pray. Let's extend that peace to each other. Good morning, everyone. Sitting near the front here, maybe you've had this experience when you've been somewhere else in public and you have this sense that there's more people behind you than you thought there were. That's a good feeling this morning. So it's really great to see so many able to be here in person. And we're grateful for those of you who aren't here but are worshiping with us online. For any of you who may not know, my name's Steve Herringa, one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and uh, it's my privilege to be in prayer with you this morning. Would you join me as we talk for a bit with our God? As we gather this morning, Lord, help us renew our focus on you as our Heavenly Father, God Almighty and know that all things remain under you. Though the world may pitch back and forth in human conflict or the storms and earthquakes of the earth, we can rest in the sureness that you are our God. We have no cause to doubt as you continue to provide for our needs and sustain our lives. As we just sang, God is so good. Your care, Lord, is evident in the long life you give many of us. We celebrate with Babe Nidum at 93 and Mike Bynema at 97 this week. And we thank you for the example of faithfulness to you that we too can follow. For those, Lord, who are ill, we ask for your healing hand. For Babe for Cindy, for Melissa, for Ashley, for Zach, for Matthew and Julie's daughter, for Jean. For we know that you are the true healer. As we and others around the world continue forward through pandemic, Lord, we look ahead to healing, eradication, and a return to normalcy knowing again that you are our healer and you are Lord. We ask your blessing on the preparation and return to classrooms for many of our schools in just a few weeks. And we are ever grateful for the protection you've provided for those that have already been in the classroom this school year. As our own staff 
here at Pleasant Street works through changes in guidelines. We ask for your wisdom in planning and implementing activities. Thank you, Lord, for the work they do and the care they give in each of their areas of ministry. You continue to provide grace, Lord, as for each of us in this past week. That which we have done wrong has been forgiven. And for that which we have done right, we give thanks to your Holy Spirit. I ask now, Lord, that as Pastor Matthew brings your word this morning, bless him as he speaks and open our hearts and minds to hear from you. In joyous expectation of what you will do. Amen. God speaks to us today through his word, first in Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And then from Luke, in both the end of 18, going into chapter 19. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And then chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. 
a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to It's good to be back up here seeing all of you there. We continue our Lent series going through the Gospel of Luke. Before we do that, though, would you pray with me? Seeking God. We cannot see unless you open our eyes. We cannot hear unless you open our ears. We ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and illumine us that we might see that you would dig out our ears that we might hear. Lord of the lost, we are quick to judge and slow to accept those whom we consider lower than ourselves. But you show us the way of acceptance and forgiveness and peace. We bless your name for teaching us love for the sake of the one who is the essence of love itself, Jesus Christ, our loving Lord. Amen. These days we read a lot of stories in the evening at our house. We might sit on the couch or we might clump together in a heap on the floor. Inevitably someone piles into a lap and others take up seats around Diana or me. Maybe you saw something like that just a minute ago. But sometimes we run into trouble because everyone is about the same size and my arms are only just so long. And if it's a really good story, we might start to lean closer to the page and I don't have a screen that big in my house. Inevitably, someone's head gets in the way of the pictures, and so then someone else might scoot to try to get closer, which makes everyone else scoot closer as well, which puts more heads in the way of everyone else. And I I don't know, maybe it's just me, I, I don't know if anything like that ever happens at your house, but sometimes it happens at ours. And we get closer and we get closer and we're crowding the pages until, until, well, I can't see the words. And I don't mind telling you that sometimes I fuss about it. When everyone wants to see, sometimes we crowd out those who are trying to see. Which is more or less what happens today in Luke chapter 18 and and chapter 19. And actually, it happens twice. Did you catch that? It, It happens first to a blind man who is begging by the road outside of Jericho. And then it happens again to a wee little man named Zacchaeus. 
And all of you know by now, because I've told you a couple of times, that Luke loves to put stories together, to take two different stories that seem like they don't have anything to do with each other and juxtapose them and and smush them right up next to each other, side by side. And he does that today. He puts two stories together that at first glance might not seem connected at all. One is about a blind beggar. The other is about a rich tax collector. On the surface, they couldn't seem further apart. The beggar subsists on the kindness of the city of Jericho for food. Zacchaeus extorts the city for a living as a tax collector. The first is about a poor man outside the city. The other is about a very wealthy one inside. One of them is nameless. The other is called Zacchaeus. But look again. Look again. Because they have something very, very important in common with each other. Do you see it? They want to see Jesus. And there's a crowd in their way. Throughout this passage here, there are words about seeing and searching and looking that that tie them together. And Jesus is outside of Jericho now. He's only 20 kilometers from Jerusalem, and and a blind beggar hears that Jesus is passing by from the crowd following him, and and he starts to call out above the din and the murmur and the shuffle, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wants to see Jesus. Well, that same crowd that told him it was Jesus passing by now tells him to be quiet. That's interesting. But he shouts all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus hears and he calls for him, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus says, receive your sight. Your faith is what has healed you. And seeing, he praises God. Well, not too long later, Zacchaeus also hears that Jesus is passing by from the crowd. And he, too, wants to see Jesus. But, but actually, it's more than that. He wants to know who Jesus is. He, he's not looking for a glimpse of a rock star passing by. Zacchaeus is on a quest. He is trying to find out if Jesus really is who the rumors say that he is. He is searching for something. In fact, he is so motivated to see Jesus, that he climbs a tree. (laughs) Even though he's on the town council, and this would be very embarrassing for him. He climbs a tree, even though it's going to wreck his Tom Ford designer sandals. But why is he there? Well, Zacchaeus is short, Luke told us. But you know, that's actually not why he's in the tree. I had always thought that that was the reason that he can't see Jesus, but Zacchaeus' problem isn't that he's short. The reason he can't see Jesus is because the crowd won't let him. They won't let him. See, rather than than make room and accommodate his short stature, they get in the way on purpose. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, and the crowd gets in his way. Why? Well, because they don't like him. Because he made his money by selling them out to the Romans because he works for the enemy. And so they decided that Zacchaeus is not worth looking. They decided that somehow he wasn't eligible for Jesus. We know that as I, as I think about it, they aren't just deciding that Zacchaeus isn't worth looking. They're also kind of deciding that Zacchaeus isn't worth seeing. 
As in, they aren't just blocking Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus, but also Jesus from seeing Zacchaeus. Why? They decided that he's outside of the boundary. I will never forget something that my very first theology professor, Dr. Nordling, told me in a class one day. It it was a story, in fact, about invisible boundaries. It was my very first semester in college. It was my very first time studying theology in a classroom, and it was great. And on this particular day, we were talking about predestination, the, the idea that God chooses who comes to him. And Dr. Norling was telling us a story about a former student of hers, Kevin, who, who had become a Christian after college. And the thing was, though, that, that Kevin had actually been around Christians his entire life. Uh, in fact, Kevin's best friend, Brandon, had been, a pretty, had been a Christian pretty much throughout the whole time that they'd known each other. And so here are the two lifelong friends. They live in the same community. Brandon goes to church every Sunday. Brandon is baptized. Brandon makes a profession of faith. Brandon goes to a Christian college. Brandon knows his theology. Kevin has none of that. Maybe a midnight Christmas Eve service a couple times. But God reaches into Kevin's life anyway. Calls him, chooses him, saves him, brings him to faith. Thanks be to God. But Kevin's confused. Now, he just heard this phenomenally good news about Jesus who died for his sins, that he is forgiven, and that now, rather than living his life trying to pay down his debt to God, he gets to live his entire life as a grateful, overflowing response to all that God has done for him. But he grew up around Christians. Somehow he never heard this before. So so as it happened, Kevin has a chance to tell his best friend, Brandon, about what's happened in his life. He tells him the story. He's become a Christian. Brandon is overjoyed. Thanks be to God. What a comfort. He's so grateful. Well, but then Kevin asks the obvious question. Wait. If you knew all this, why why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? Brandon was taken back a little, and, and he wasn't sure what to say. And then he kind of just shrugged and said, I just assumed you weren't elect. And no, you're right. We don't go around talking about election much anymore. In fact, there's probably many of us here in the room or online who don't even really know what that's about. And, and no, we don't go around assessing people's salvation from the outside, like the frozen chosen with a chip on our shoulder. We're passionate. We know better. Right? Yeah, but why is it that even though you see the same grocery clerk every week, she's never heard about this church. Why is it that conversations with our coworkers always manage to stay pretty surfacy? I mean, have you ever noticed that in a conversation, there's this possibility that comes where it could go deep? You know what I mean? You could wind up talking about something real, and somehow we find ourselves managing to steer it back toward the surface. Why is that? How is it that you could eat in the cafeteria with the same people 
day in and day out, and, and Jesus never comes up. I would suggest that it's become it's because at some point deep in your heart, deep in my heart, we just decided that this church wasn't for them. We, we have ways of being a crowd. We, we sometimes crowd out those who would see Jesus. And it's funny because everybody wants more people in church. But we have unspoken rules about what we want in ours. Who we want next to us. Who we're comfortable seeing in front of us. The right age, the, the right background, the right politics, the right gifts, the right skin or size or education. And so we, we wind up crowding out those who can't see Jesus but might really want to. Sometimes simply by just never bringing it up. And it's funny, but I think that often we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize that we have boundaries about who's in and, and who is out until Jesus, well, until he shows up on the other side. You see, the, the crowd had kind of gotten in the way of the blind man who wanted to see Jesus, but when they see Jesus heal him, and when they see him give thanks, they praise God. I mean, who isn't touched by the transformation of a poor blind beggar, right? I mean, the blind man here outside of the city is exactly the kind of person that Jesus came for. I mean, do you, do you remember the sermon that Jesus gave back in Nazareth, back in January? It, Jesus said, I am here. The whole reason I'm here is to give sight to the blind, to release prisoners, to set captives free. And all throughout Luke, he's been doing just that very thing. We, we find him drawing near to those who are outside of the boundaries or on the margins. He heals the sick. He touches the dead. He talks with Samaritans. He heals the blind. And up until this point in the story, it's almost always the poor, the outcast, and the sinners who seek Jesus and who get well. And almost always it's the scribes and the Pharisees who are scandalized by it. But what happens when a rich Jewish tax-collecting ruler seeks Jesus? What happens when Zacchaeus does? Jesus goes to his house. He stays at his house. He eats at his house. Nobody's giving praise to God for that. Luke says that all the people, all the people saw Jesus have lunch with Zacchaeus, and they all grumbled about how Jesus' standards were just too low. Of course, we have ours too. But thanks be to God, my friends, the good news is not that Jesus acts according to our standards, but according to his and because of that, the lost get found. And the good news is not that Zacchaeus finds a way to find Jesus. The good news is that Jesus searches for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is looking, but it's Jesus who finds. Finds Zacchaeus even though he is way up hidden in a tree, even though he has put himself in a place where he can see but not be seen. He is seen. It is Jesus who finds Zacchaeus even though a crowd is trying to tell him to look the other way. And when Jesus finds him, his life changes, and boy, does it change. 
Zacchaeus come down, and he does, and he's healed of his greed, and he is restored to a community that he had been robbing. And the community is restored by his abundant generosity. I will pay back anyone I've defrauded four times over. My friends, he spent his life defrauding people. He gives half of his estate to people like the blind beggar whom the crowd was ignoring, and I'm sure Zacchaeus probably did too. Do you see? Zacchaeus is starting to see the way that Jesus does. Which reminds me of something that Pastor Bill mentioned a few weeks ago. Three stories, actually, parables about what was lost being found and the great joy that comes when lost things are found. In short, what I'm saying is that Zacchaeus embodies the kind of repentance and change and transformation that Jesus has been telling us stories about all during Lent. And the crowd grumbles because they don't want him to change, but today salvation has come to this house anyway. The funny thing, though, is how little Jesus has to say to make it happen. He doesn't give Zacchaeus a sermon. In fact, he really only says one thing to him. The one thing is this, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. I must be with you, Zacchaeus. Not you must spend time with me. Not you must change your life, buddy. I must be with you, Zacchaeus. So come down, come down because I choose you. That must is a loaded word for Jesus. If you spent time with him, you know that it's freighted with all kinds of meaning. It's a word that Jesus uses to talk about his mission. It's a word that Jesus keeps using to talk about why he's going to Jerusalem in the first place. It communicates all of the intentionality and purpose of mission of what we are trying to do during Lent. Jesus is the one who set his face toward Jerusalem. He is the one who must go to the city that kills the prophets, and all of that same beautiful, captivating determination also brings him to the big empty house of a sinner like Zacchaeus, and to this house today. Jesus is on his way to die. He is moving like a freight train with unstoppable momentum, momentum born of the purpose that he received from his Father in heaven. He will not stop, but he does stop. For what? For who? For a blind man. For Zacchaeus. Because Jesus sees those who want to see. Because Jesus knows that Zacchaeus is worth looking Jesus finds Zacchaeus. He must. Why? Because that's his mission. To tear down all of the hidden boundaries and dividing walls that keep us from God and from each other. To turn children to their father and fathers to their children. To reconcile us to God and to each other through his body on the cross as Paul sings it out in Ephesians. To seek and to save the lost. To find all that is lost whether it's in the house or whether it is in a far off country. To find you. <laughs> to find you. He must. 
Why? Because our heart and our flesh cry out for the living God. Because everyone, whether they realize it or not, is searching for a place in God's house. And that is why he comes to you today. Not just with words, but with bread and wine. A sign of his own flesh and blood given for you. For you. For you. A taste of what it's like to come home. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Seeking God, we cannot see unless you open our eyes. We cannot hear unless you open our ears. Lord of the lost, we are quick to judge and slow to accept those whom we consider lower than ourselves. But you show us your way of acceptance, forgiveness, and peace through Jesus. And so we bless your name for showing us love and for loving us. And we pray this for the sake of the one who is the essence of love itself, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In our Lenten journey today, we have been gathered. God has shown himself to us to be good. Now he's brought us to his table and everything is ready. Let's eat. As we come to this table, friends, there are a lot of people who have done work behind the scenes to prepare for us to be able to eat this in a way that is life-giving and safe. The room has been cleaned for us. Elders and staff have prepared and distributed cups, wafers, sanitizer. Some of you have gathered bread and juice or wine from your cupboards and set them out for this meal. Friends, all of this work, in all of this work, God has gone ahead of us and everything is ready. When we are taking communion uh, during this season because we want to spread gospel and not virus, we've been doing so with individual uh, self serve cups in a minute. I will tell you how we're going to go ahead and do that. But if you would just turn it over so that the, the uh, I don't know, bread chiclet, for lack of a better word, is on the top side. In a moment, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you to open those um, when you're ready for that. Please do keep your mask on. I'll let you know when it's time to remove it. And for those of us who are new to this feast or who are young, uh, we remember that, that this piece of bread is just a little bit of bread and this juice is just a little bit of juice, but because God is so good and so great, by his Holy Spirit, God turns it into a great big meal of faith for us to remember and believe what Jesus has done for us. All right, so let's, um, let's celebrate the supper together. Friends, the words are on the slides for you. Friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Please pray with me. Extravagant God, you poured out your life in your covenant with your chosen people, and you poured out your lifeblood in the ministry and death of your Son, Jesus Christ. You meet our meanness with your grace, our scarcity with your abundance, and our suspicion with your generous trust. And so we give you thanks around your table with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, proclaiming together your unending praise, saying, 
Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Blessed is he who comes in the name, oh, yep, Hosanna in the highest. There you go. Thank you. Seeking God, in Jesus you sought the obscuring crowd and the searching Zacchaeus. You attended a meal and thereby brought salvation to his house. And so we gather today to remember the salvation you have brought to us in this meal. We celebrate in faith that even now you are preparing a feast to celebrate with us at our resurrection when we are with you in glory. Sanctify us that even as our flesh and blood decay, our hearts might be made ready to meet you face to face. Send down your Holy Spirit now that this bread and this cup might be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this uh, meal as a memorial of his sacrifice before he suffered. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For Friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. For friends, great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Abundant God, when we know the price of everything and the value of nothing, Use this meal to remind us of the limitless joy that you take in us. When we are full of criticism for others and hatred of ourselves, help us to taste in Christ's self-emptying sacrifice the joy that you take in all of us. Show mercy to those with malady and disease who long for healing of body, mind, or spirit. Deliver your children afflicted by the poison of enmity and strife in their families, neighborhoods, or communities. Hold your redeeming cross before eyes cast down by injustice. Raise up your church to be women and men of courage and discipleship and lift in every heart the hope born of your passion until all of your children look upon the day when you are all in all, ever one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all of those who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation. All who are sincerely sorry for their sins, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to him are invited now to come with gladness to the table of the Lord for friends. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. And blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. If you would, please go ahead and remove your mask. And carefully, 
Take your time. We'll go ahead and open the, the top portion of the cup there. Or is it a plate? I don't know. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given to us for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. go ahead and turn your cup over. Now it is a cup. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Amen. Friends, having been gathered, having been nourished in the story of God and with his meal, God now sends us out as people who are being changed, transformed, and renewed in all of that good news. But I've one more thing for you, which is that we go blessed. And so I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit, to open your hands, turn your eyes up, and receive it. Sisters and brothers, let us claim the freedom Christ gives us by his self-giving on the cross. May he enable us to serve together in faith, hope, and love. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord and receive God's blessing. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. Thank you.
Dead rose from their tomb.